are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, good morning. We're going to be starting this series this Sunday, and we're going to go for a few weeks here and just looking at some of those difficult topics that we're going to kind of hit and talk about. And today, I want to take a real honest look at the whole area of sin and Christian living. If you read the book of Romans, you're going to see in chapter 6 that it's an absolutely amazing chapter that talks about a lot about different choices and living. Romans 6 verse 11 says, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obtain its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So there it is. Black and white. Stay away from sin. It's no longer your master. Sin is painful. There's consequences to our effects. Absolutely every aspect of us. You know what? Sin is so broad. Let's just use one, one area. Let's talk about pornography for an example. We know that it can be devastating on our marriages. It leaves the individual feeling condemnation, shame, and guilty. But that's not the most harmful aspect. It physically rewires the brain, teaching it for fulfillment and through pornography is the best way, and it decreases desire for making love within that place of marriage. Sin is harmful. In fact, the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, so we know yet. Yet why do we still stumble and why do we fall? See, God is a loving father, isn't he? And you know what? As my son, Lucas, I remember when he was just a little boy, I remember that we were... Uh, had the ironing board out, and the iron is, was out there, and he was probably around the age two, and we were kind of talking and distracted, and he reached up, and we saw, we just saw him go and touch the iron. And you know what? Our hearts just grieved with that because we knew the pain that he was experiencing through his first burn. Our Heavenly Father is so much like that. See, as a dad, he loves us very much. And he desires to be able to walk with us. And he's saying, you know what? I've got something better than you. And the hardest thing as being a pastor is being able to coach people through difficult times where it's black and white and they're experiencing consequences from sin. And it's like, you know what? The Bible says this. If you had followed that, you wouldn't be in this predicament today. But yet, we all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I think sometimes we, 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 look, at, we look at our lives as, as a, a tally. You know what? When I do good, I get a point on the good side. And when I fall short, maybe I get three or four points knocked off. And that's not how Holy Spirit looks at it. Maybe you're a person this morning who tries so hard not to do wrong. And then all of a sudden something happens and you begin beating yourself up. Perhaps you even question your own salvation. Do you find yourself choosing to indulge in, sinful, in sin, pushing away the conviction voice of the Holy Spirit, telling yourself, I think I'll just deal with it later. 
See, the difference between condemnation and conviction is the difference between light and dark. Conviction highlights our motives and urges us to change. But condemnation wants to hide. It wants to run. Conviction is a good thing. We need to listen to that still, small voice. We live in a world where our whole world lives depend on how we act. You know what, in school, how many people were really good in school? How many people were like me? School was not so fun. All right. Wow, my people. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're rated. You go to school and you get that exam and you, you study or you don't. And then all of a sudden the teacher hands out and you get that paper back filled with what color of pen? Red! And if you got lots of red little dashes and little X's on your paper, the mark goes from the A, then it goes down to the B, then it goes down to the C, down to the E, down to the E, and sometimes down to the F level. Oh man, I've had them all. We walk in that place and it's, we're taught as a kid, you know what, you better listen, you better do well. And when you do something good, we reward our children. Hey, you did such a great job, I'm taking you for ice cream. We're trained from that. And then what happens? We go out and we get a job. Does it change? No. We're rewarded for our success and we're disciplined for our mistakes. What about marriage? You make the bed, it's like, oh, honey. You know, there's, there's, different, there's different love languages. And my wife's love language is acts of service. So you know what? If she comes home, and I'll, I'll wait. And I'll watch. And I see her pulling in the driveway, and then I'll turn on the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and I'll just start vacuuming away, and then she walks in, and she'll be like, oh, baby. You know what? You are the sexiest when you're vacuuming. Yeah, you know. Here I go again. I get rewarded. I get the, hey, way to go, pal. Oh, you look so great. Oh, you just love me so much. But what about the kingdom of God? Is it the same? Remember. We've taught this time and time again that the kingdom of God, it's an upside-down kingdom. Because that's in Romans 6, but Romans 7, there's a different story. And there are many scholars who are much smarter than I am debating this very chapter. Some say that Paul writes this to the unbeliever, to people who do not yet know the Lord, where others say, no, Paul is writing this to himself about a deep inner struggle. I tend to believe the latter. In this scripture, Paul is writing to the believer for help. But let's be this morning like the Bereans. Study the scripture for yourself. See what the Lord shows you. But this is why I believe personally that it was written for us. In chapter 7, Paul begins by speaking in the past tense, and then he switches over in verse 14 to present, which would refer to a personal struggle, as well as he uses the term, the, spirit, the, the law is spiritual and not carnal, and only we as believers can recognize and understand that. So if it has been written for the believer, then they would say that the believers have tendencies to sin. If you don't think that is true, if you think I'm speaking a lie right now, then I, then I dare you. Drive in Edmonton in rush hour on the north side where they're working on the Anthony Henday. Let's see how sanctified you are after that. 
So why does Paul write this in the Scriptures? See, I believe that the Scriptures are God's Word, breathed into life for generations to come. God, a holy God, uses Paul, a man, to wrestle with his flesh to be able to show us what to do when we have inner struggles. See, Paul was a Pharisee. He knew the Scriptures. Can you picture it? Okay, Paul, here's what the law says. The law is holy. The law is just. The law is righteousness. Thou shall not kill. Okay, no problem. I blew that, but you know what? I'm doing good now. Thou shall not steal. Okay, sure, I can do that. Thou shall not covet. Now, now wait a minute, God. What, what exactly do you mean by that? See, when Jesus came on earth, everything changed. The standard actually became higher. In fact, we read in the book of Matthew, you've heard this commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. So then, Lord, how is it possible that I could ever live up to that? For I've had thoughts. I've coveted items. I've allowed my mind to wander. Who can ever live up to such high standards? Have you been there? Trying your best to be good, trying your best to walk in righteous, then something happens and all of a sudden that guilt and that shame and that condemnation is poured out upon you and you're like, man, how can I even do this? I've been there. A great brother of mine, Regan, who's here today, you know, I just, I just love him so much. And I was just talking to Regan about some struggles that I'm going through and some things that I'm wrestling with the Lord over. And he said to me, he says, you know what, Lance? I know you. You are one of the most gracious guys I know, but why are you so hard on yourself? He says, why do you choose to define who you are by this and that and not who you are by this and that? He says, you want to know how, who, I, who I think you are? I think you're a pastor who loved me and my family while I was here. I think you're a pastor who really pours into Cold Lake and loves the community. That's how I choose to see you. Like, Regan, Lord, help me to walk in what you see, God. Help me not get caught up in the in the mistakes, in the, in the, um, the, uh, the Mars that I'm carrying. Because you know what? If we look hard enough, we're going to find them. See, with this whole thing with Paul, I believe that, that Paul is not only writing this for believers, but I believe Paul, who is the apostle, and I believe as, I think Paul got to this place where he understood that the closer that you are to God, and the more that you know God, Paul, being a, the apostle, a holy man, realize how much more we need grace in our life. Realize how much more we are so far away from the standard that has been laid out before us. So then Paul writes in verse 14, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and it is good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that it is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. See, 
this is truth, then sin lives inside of each one of us. See, the truth is, in fact, the Apostle John writes at age 90 in 1 John 1.8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Each one of us struggle with a sinful nature. And until the Lord fulfills his promise in 1 Corinthians 15.54 that says then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up, up in victory. Sin dwells inside of us. Job says in Job 15, can any mortal be pure? Can any one born of a woman be just? Then in chapter 25, he says, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm? We don't say that too often, do we? We don't say, you know what, to an expecting mother, oh, wow, congratulations, you got a, you got a worm in there that's just ready to come out and just destroy the world because of the sin that, is, that you're carrying within you. We don't say that. Well, until the baby hits maybe age two, then we totally understand it. But if sin dwells inside of the Apostle Paul, that it also dwells within us. And I believe that he wants us to know two things as believers. Number one, that sin dwells within us. That is why we can't keep the law. Uh, that's why we can't keep the law for, for what we want to do, what is right, but you also want to do what is wrong. And number two, there's no good things in our flesh. Have you ever been there? Have you ever tried your hardest to do what is right, what is good, and then something rises up and you're like, man, where did that come from? I remember a time in my life where, again, I, I, never, I never received Christ until I was in grade 10. And then I got filled with the Spirit in grade 11. And then I went off to Bible college and stuff, but I never really even heard of a prophet of God until I was... Uh, probably in, in pastoring in Edmonton. And we went to this, this meeting, and this guy was there who was a prophet, and I'm just kind of like, wow, well, there's a prophet there. And he was going to meet with our staff and meet with our team afterwards, and I just, I just joined this church, and I, again, I, I, I was the new kid on the block. And I watched him in the service, and he started calling some people up, and he started giving prophetic words, and people started crying and started saying things like, nobody knows that. Like, whoa, you just hit the nail on the head. And then all of a sudden, you know what happened? Fear crept in. I'm like, I'm going to be meeting with this guy one-on-one. -on -one. So you know what I did? I went out in the lobby, and I had the old Motorola Flip Star Tech phone. And I opened it up, and I called my wife, and I said, hey, babe, how's it going? Good. Listen, I just want to ask your forgiveness right now. She's like, for what? I said, for anything I've ever done to you ever in my life. I said, I'm about to see this guy. And the Bible says that uh, when we ask forgiveness, that it's cast away in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. So the Lord will not tell this prophet anything bad about me in this brand new church. So please forgive me. And if there's anything that you'd want me to, bring, want me to ask specifically forgiveness for, you can do it now so I can ask forgiveness. And she's just laughing at me. But I was serious. It was scary. And maybe you've been there. Maybe all of a sudden you start to carry things. It's just kind of like, Lord, this doesn't line up with your scripture. God, mold me. God, shape me, God. Change me. God, your word says that you're the potter and I'm the clay. You know what? Isn't there life in that scripture? Because the clay can't say, 
when it's finished, I don't like this about me. And I don't like that about me. Do it again. But the potter, what he doesn't like, he just breaks off and then he restructures and reforms till it's complete. My friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You are going to make mistakes. You are going to fall short of the glory of God. But in that time, that is when we draw so close to him and say, Father, I did it again. God, I need you to wash me. I need you to, to, to change me and mold me. God, I don't want things in my life that don't line up with Scripture. But yet, there's so many times where we walk on the king's side. And you know what? We just start to, to point out faults and we start to look at things and start to, to say, you know what? This isn't right and this isn't right and this is what my 10 steps are for health and this is where I'm going to go. And God is like, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Come to me. For I want to, I want to do it. But there's so much truth in the Word of God. We need to know the Word. And it says back in verse 6 there, uh, in the beginning of chapter 6, it says, so now that I understand grace, and this is the Lance Steve's perversion, but now that I understand grace, does that mean that I can just keep on sinning and doing whatever I want? Of course not. Why? Because I want to be who God has called me to be. I don't want to have desires in my life for things that are just chaff, that are just going to blow away. I don't want to, to think about and ponder and set my sights on that things that are just temporal. And we're living in a world where times are changing and we think that the Bible's changing with it and saying, you know what, these scriptures here, they're out to date because everybody's doing it now. Who cares? We need to set that standard, and that standard needs to be in the Word of God. But, but, with the grace of God and the work that Christ accomplished on the cross, there is true forgiveness, and there is ultimate access to heaven. Well, pastor, this is an uplifting message. Thanks, I'm doomed. Now. We just need to understand that there's a war going on inside of us. But the awesome part about this is Paul doesn't leave us there. He brings balance right to the middle of the storm. Let's check it out. Verse 24. What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Each one of us need a deliverer. Each one of us need to have an advocate. Each one of us desperate for freedom, which can only be obtained through the power of the cross and what Jesus Christ did as the ultimate act of love. This, my friends, is where deliverance begins. If we try to please God by fulfilling the law, you will become exhausted. If we keep score, you will become exhausted. The good deeds and the not-so-good deeds, you will become overwhelmed. Paul would have us understand a Roman custom, one that was very, um, uh, was very uh, 
what's the word? Prelevant, not prelevant. Yeah. Paul would help us understand a Roman custom that is if you committed murder back at that time, the person that you killed would literally be attached to you tightly, hands to hands, head to head, stomach to stomach. And that body, as that body would decay, their murderer would then become disease-infested and would too die. Have you ever felt like that as a, mur- as, a, as a believer? That you're strapped with sin and you just can't let it go? You ever try to behave and you try to live up then all of a sudden he rises his ugly head again and we go off to church putting on the best face possible showing everybody that all is well? Who will deliver us from this body of death? Again, when our bodies are dying, They have been transformed into bodies that will never die. The scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. But until that glorious day, my friends, we're going to have lustful thoughts. We're going to struggle with anger. We're going to have issues with fear and rejection. And when they come, we need to press into our deliverer. For he is absolutely amazing and through him and the power of the holy spirit which is what we're going to talk about next week living a spirit-filled life second corinthians 5 17 says we're a new creation the old man has passed away first john 2 1 says but if we sin we have an advocate with the father my friends in this world you will have trouble but god isn't mad at you he hasn't stopped loving you we have an advocate with the father And he desires for us to be set free. The work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, the ultimate expression of love, is that love that covers a multitude of sins. That gift is for you to be able to say, Lord, I struggle, I falter, yet glory be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you don't personally know the deliverer. You want to walk in relationships with him. Or maybe you're here today and you've hated yourself because you keep falling over and over again. My friends, this morning, Jesus is the only answer. Team, would you come? I love fall kickoff. It's an opportunity to kind of get back and see everybody again. It's an opportunity to be able to say, you know, God, let's just, let's just set some plans and let's just, let's just start to, to dream a little bit about what this next year brings. It's an opportunity to have fun together, have a barbecue and enjoy a meal, be able to, to touch base with, with people again, to be able to go and have some fun on the horses and, and, the, and the petting zoos and all that kind of stuff. But as I was praying this year and asking the Lord to prepare me for fall kickoff, it's different than I've ever done before. Typically, it's very much a salvation message. And I want to take a few moments to be able to open up that door if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But this year, I really believe that the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, There are people in this room who are dying because guilt is overwhelming you. There are people who try and try and try to live up to the law, 
but you keep failing and you beat yourself up. And this morning, the Lord wants you to know that He wants to set you free. That there's grace. But there's also law. But we have to find the balance of both king and priest. We need to walk in that place and just say, God, I trust you, God. I don't want to throw out the Scriptures and not, and not set my eyes upon you. But Lord, I don't want to just live like the world and then just say I'm a Christian. Because it just doesn't make sense, either one of them. So I'm just asking this morning, in the quietness of this place, as Ernie comes and gets ready to play, just ask everybody just to take a few moments. And would you, would you honor this moment today by just bowing your head and closing your eyes? And why I said that is sometimes we like to know who's doing what. But this is between us and the Lord this morning. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. See, you've been bought with a price. This life that we live is no longer ours. We can say, Lord, I want you to be Lord and Master. God, I want to give everything to you and I want to follow you wholeheartedly. God, would you, would you come and would you just dwell inside of my heart? Because Lord, today, I am going to choose to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want Jesus to live in my heart and I want to be set free. Yeah, thank you. All over this place. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I see that hand. Thanks, hon. Praise you, Lord. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, my dear. Is there anyone else? Yes, thank you. Is there anyone else who's like, Pastor, pray for me? Today, I'm setting my sights on the Lord. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Praise God. Yes, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There were just so many people who responded. Can we as a, as a congregation together pray a prayer? And you know what? There's no such thing as a magical prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's a walk. And it's a journey. But you know the most exciting thing? is once you pray this prayer and you open up your life to Christ, you're never ever walking that, that place alone. You have an advocate. You have a father who you can go to and say, God, mold me. Shape me. Form me. So would you all repeat after me this morning? God, I ask you to come into my heart. I believe that you died on a cross for me. Defeating sin and darkness and death. For on the third day you rose again. 
<laughs> I thank you, Lord. This morning, God, I want to confess that I am a sinner. Lord, I've made mistakes. I've messed up. But God, you are able. And I ask you this morning to wash me clean. For your word says that I am a new creation. And I welcome you, Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.